0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Sacred Footsteps podcast with your host, me, Yasmin Lee, and co-host, Zara Chowdhury. Sacred Footsteps is an online publication dedicated to travel, culture and history from a Muslim perspective. In this series, we will be talking to writers, historians, artists, and a whole host of other people about travel as a spiritual practice. Okay so this is our very first podcast and we're super excited to finally get online and start recording. I'm really excited that today we're actually going to be interviewing our co-host Zara Chowdhury who is the founder of Sacred Footsteps and also the editor of the online publication.
1: Uh, So Zara, hello. Assalamualaikum how are you?
0: Yeah really good. Uh, Are you excited as I am that we're finally doing this?
1: I'm really excited but I'm also really nervous. (laughs) Okay
0: (laughs) you'll be fine you do all the work behind the scenes so we can finally get to hear from you which is great. Um hear my voice finally. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure loads of people have been looking forward to that. So I just I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to start off just by we obviously all know who you are. Um so maybe just for
1: the audience do you want to just tell them a little bit about yourself first to begin with? Yeah, sure. So my background is in Islamic art and archaeology and history. Um, I have two young daughters and I also run Sacred Footsteps. Yeah, cool. Okay, so
0: obviously we know that you run Sacred Footsteps and we've been um, sort of working together for a while now, sort of writing stuff for the the blog and for the site um and I stumbled across sacred footsteps because I was actually looking for a a holiday to somewhere in Europe which to be honest I didn't think was a very spiritual place and I came across this article in Lisbon and I was like oh okay I never even thought of that as having anything remotely Islamic or cultural about it surprisingly it did So that's how I stumbled across it. And I I kind of really just loved all the work on there. And that's why I got involved. Um, So how did you how did you start it? Just for people who don't know, like, how did it begin? What made you think this would be a really good
1: platform for Muslims? So it kind of started officially, it started like four years ago. But to be honest, it was kind of, it was like in the works for a lot longer than Mm. that. So when I first started traveling, it was like after I'd left uni, I'd just got married. So at that time, there was not really that much out there aimed at Muslim travelers. So you have, obviously, you've got your Lonely Planets, you've got all the other really good thorough guides. um, But they don't really tell you everything you need to know as a Muslim. Um, So like there was that. I kind of always had that in mind that it'd be amazing to do something that'd be a really good resource for Muslim travellers. But it was more than that because I visited Vietnam and while we were there, we ended up praying in a masjid in Ho Chi Minh City that had um, it was actually built, I think, originally... The original building was built in the 30s by Indian migrants who used right. to live in the city at that time. Because okay. at that time, Ho Chi Minh City had... A, they had a lot of immigrants from all over the place, including a lot of Muslims, Um, which at the time, I didn't know any of this. We just yeah. went to a masjid to pray. So yeah, I've been to Vietnam, we went, and I'd, I had no idea that they even had a mosque yeah, there. Yeah, so, not many people know. Yeah. There are actually quite a lot of mosques in the city itself. So we when we got there, I just assumed... It, you know there'd be like mm. other foreigners other tourists like us yeah. um but it turned out that the imam of the masjid and his wife and also the Muvin and his wife they were all vietnamese converts wow. um and yeah so like the women were dressed head to toe in black abayas which was the last thing i was yeah in see. vietnam of all places <laughs> exactly yeah, crazy so like when i got back to england i did a lot more research and i kind of i found out that um, so we actually, we went to another village, um, and the people, there were sham Muslims. That's what we were told. But again, I didn't know anything. And it was only when I went back that I realized that actually Islam has been in Vietnam for like yeah. centuries. You never hear um, of it though.
0: You you would never. Yeah. You, yeah.
1: You really don't. And that was kind of one of the inspirations behind it because these, they're, they're called the sham Muslims. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly or yeah. not. Um, but because they were so cut off from the rest of the Muslim world, they kind of ended up practicing the religion in their own way. It's mm. very, very different from mainstream Islam wow. but the people we had met in the mosques they um converted to Sunni Islam after they came into contact with these immigrant communities and obviously, after the vietnam Vietnam war broke out, all those immigrant communities left. they all went back to their homes and they left these empty mustards and now they're you know they're like they're used by Vietnamese converts, and it's a growing community and I just thought. Is such an amazing story, and yet there's nowhere really you can yeah. turn to to find out this kind of ah, thing. I'm so gutted
0: because um, I went not knowing any of this or even reading yeah. about it, and now I wish I had known because I would have definitely sought it out and
1: yeah, exactly. It. I feel like I, I know a lot of people feel that way, like if, if they'd known, of course, yeah. they'd visit, but um yeah I hope we kind of can fulfill that niche because there are people that are interested in that kind of thing
0: yeah so that's I guess that was the fir- like one of the first experiences where you thought this needs to be documented and I need to tell people about this because other people like exactly yeah. me would love to have known about it and just didn't didn't yeah exactly yeah.
1: um so that was part of it but there was also The fact that I was really interested in the connection between travel and spirituality because I I mean at that time I used to read a lot at that time not so much now after having children right after children yeah (laughs) definitely know that feeling yeah so at that time um so I was reading about Imam Ghazali and all these amazing figures within our tradition who I'll talk about Imam Ghazali specifically so he had to he left his city, he left his home, and he went on this physical journey, but for a very spiritual goal, because he felt like he needed to become closer to God. He needed that connection. Yeah. So it was yeah. a it was a physical journey, but it was also a spiritual one. And I just thought mm. that connection was so fascinating. And our tradition is full of stories yeah. like that.
0: I mean, I, I, I like to think, it's probably untrue, but I like to think that we kind of coined the phrase, spiritual travel just to use like <laughs> online or on like social it's and used a lot now <laughs> yeah and the hashtags exactly i like to think that too um it's <laughs> probably wishful thinking but i mean i'm gonna go with it and if anyone wants to call us out on that it's fine <laughs> um but I, like you like you touched on like it's often seen as a soulful journey and islam in itself obviously the pilgrimage the Hajj pilgrimage is is completely spiritual mm. so i was just i just wanted to know your perspective like based on on history and specifically islamic history um you know i guess our travel is based on deepening connections and i just thought over over the course of your travel like what what sort of stands out for you in terms of like you really feeling you've had a deep connection or, or sort of like a spiritual awakening from from a trip or specific experience that you've had
1: well so before i talk about myself One of the other things that I was really interested in was Hajj literature, because you've got all these travel accounts written um, beginning in like the 10th century all the way up to the present day of people who wrote about their journey um, going on Hajj. And the thing that really stands out, and it's something that's quite difficult for us to relate to today, is that when people went on Hajj, the journey itself was part of the Hajj. Um, because they would leave their homes months in advance and that physical journey was a spiritual preparation and I just thought that's so incredible but it's so hard mm. for us to relate to that now because because of yeah. air travel and whatever else we have time constraints people don't people are not able to leave their home for months on end yeah
0: and it's easy isn't it you book you book the hotel you book the visa you go with the group and you're yeah. there and that's it
1: yeah yeah there's less to worry about now especially with the internet and everything else this kind of things are not really unknown anymore um but then i do feel i have been really lucky because i did have a travel experience where i was kind of in the unknown yeah Um, this is
0: uh referring so i i did specifically want to want to speak to you about this so obviously we've recently um heard the the very sad news about sheikh muhabib al-hajj who passed on from this world um, just the other day, actually, just before we, we decided to record this podcast, and um, you yeah. Zara obviously had that opportunity to to be in his presence, and you wrote about it on our our website, uh, so people can check that out. Yeah. Um. So obviously, like relating to the Hajj, and obviously relating to him, how how was it for you being in the unknown? It must have been a completely mesmerizing experience for you.
1: Yeah. So. For the benefit of anybody who doesn't know, Munabud al-Hajj was a Mauritanian scholar who um, was estimated to be somewhere between 110 and 120 years old. So he lived a very long life. Um, but he became well known in his youth because he travelled on uh, to Hajj by foot. And along the route, he would stop and he would teach people in villages about Islam. And he became very well known for his piety as well. Um, when he returned from Hajj, he went back to Mauritania and he built his home in the wilderness away from other towns and other villages and students would go and seek him out there to learn from him. So even if you've not heard of him specifically, you've probably benefited from him, benefited from him in the sense that um, he was a teacher of a lot of well-known scholars today. And so the article I wrote was actually one of the first things I posted on Sacred Footsteps um, and it kind of really shaped the way sacred footsteps has gone at least for me anyway but just kind of posting that felt really weird it felt like I was it was something quite personal that I kind of just put out there. it felt kind of strange to do um mm. and even talking about it so like I'm not a scholar or I'm not even a student of knowledge or anything like that so it kind of feels a bit weird just me adding my voice to it um mm. because like yeah. genuinely I was nobody and I ended up Having this amazing experience, I don't even know how that happened yeah. or why I, well, I ended up having it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you say you're nobody, but I guess for I mean, for someone like me, it's it's inspirational because as a, as a woman, I would have never thought that I I could do something like that, and also just having the bravery, just not even because you know we know that scholars and shakes um they this they have connections and roots to these places and that's really amazing and that's great but often uh we as ordinary folk we, we don't so the fact that you just threw yourself in that i mean i i can't i would have loved to have done that but even then i i would have been completely daunted by the experience
1: yeah so i went with my husband i didn't go alone yeah um it, I wouldn't advise going alone either. Um, so, and I wasn't supposed to go. It was supposed to be somebody else who was going with him, but it just so happened he couldn't come. And then uh, I kind of ended up on this trip. Yeah. I kind of can't believe my luck now. Meant to be. Yeah, so like, I didn't really know what to expect. I'd heard about this man and these amazing stories. Um, and my husband had wanted to meet him for a long time. And I, I only knew of him through my husband. And he, he, do- he does have... Connections with people who have been before, so I would say that it wasn't just completely out of the blue. But then, yeah, so I'd heard these incredible stories, so I kind of I didn't know what the journey would be like, and especially going as a woman, I tried to find out if anybody, if any other women I know of or whatever had been, Um, and I couldn't really find out any kind of information like that. But interestingly, though, since he's passed away, I have heard of a lot of others who have been, and it's really cool to hear other women's experiences. But so at the time, I didn't even know what sort of clothes I should be wearing. Oh, wow. well, yeah, of course. I spent the yeah. day, um, the day before we left, we were in Rabat in Morocco. That's where we left, uh, went on the journey from. I spent the entire day looking for a niqab because I assumed I have to wear one. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, I you was would, wrong. You, would, you wouldn't know, would you? I didn't yeah. know. Um, I couldn't find one anyway, but it turned out I really, really did not need one. <laughs> it wasn't okay. like that there. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was kind of going out uh, into the unknown. But what we did was we flew to um, the capital, no- Nockshot. And then from there, we at the airport, we were really lucky because um, initially when they saw our passports, they saw we were British, people, they were kind of suspicious, like, well, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Kind of thing. Um, but then as soon as we mentioned Mrabad al-Hajj's name, Um, they were just so friendly and so helpful and everything changed. And one of the, um, he called himself an immigration official. I don't, I don't really know who he was, but he insisted on taking us to our hotel. And on the way he arranged for us to, uh, um, a driver for, for us, um, to go on the journey with, um, and without his help, I don't even know how we would have done that because language was an issue, obviously. And so, yeah, we kind of, we, we set off. Our driver actually hadn't even heard of Rob al but he kind of... Oh, really? So no, he was he just driving <laughs> you, like, not knowing where he was, he was going? Quite, he was quite impressed we'd come all this way to meet a man who lives on a mountain. <laughs> ah, but he, yeah, okay. he had no idea. And he kind of... It was cool because along the way, he kind of realized who this man must be because the fact that you've traveled from yeah like, and also come, because yeah. he we would stop along the route basically we knew we knew very very rough directions from people who had been before um so we went along that rough route and along the way we would stop he would speak to people and when he realized that wow like these people know who this man is like I think he kind of it dawned on him as well that he's yeah you know what I mean he's someone someone special yeah. So anyway, long story short, if people want to read about it, um it's quite a long piece, but they're welcome to. But long story short, we we finally got there. Um it was a very long journey in the sense that it was longer than it was supposed to be because we got lost and um mm. yeah, and during that trip there were really Vulnerable moments, I guess you could say, because we were fasting. We didn't have any food or water by that point. um oh, the f- wow. It was maghrib time. It got dark, and we were lost and stuck.
0: Yeah, I read you had you had like a bag of M and M, right? That was like yes. your sustenance.
1: I was yeah. so unprepared that we just we thought we'd be there in a few hours. We had no idea, um wow, and so okay. all I had was a bag of M and M's. So we kind of opened our fast with that, but the. The kind of the thing that really stands out for me is that we went from a very vulnerable situation where I just did not know what was going to happen, and things suddenly changed. We we suddenly came upon a Bedouin tent. People came out and they kind of welcomed us in, and we spent the night there. And they fed us. They did everything for us. They were incredibly, incredibly generous. And I just remember because we kind of we slept out in the open. It was we were on a carpet, um, and the night sky was just the most incredible thing I've ever seen and then I just remember lying there thinking wow like look how quickly things changed and I don't know it just kind of it feels weird talking about it but just kind of I remember it occurred to me that um God was always there like he he knew what was happening Uh the whole time even though we felt lost and whatever else but he he was still there and those those moments that you
0: those moments you get when you're traveling I guess especially like spiritual travel when you just hit to that oh actually I'm not this is not me I'm not in control at all yeah definitely that's
1: that's how we felt that like we're not in control but somebody is in control and we kind of have to trust him and I think that's probably the first time where I really felt like I'd placed my trust in him and I mean the point of me mentioning all this is that I really do feel that you can kind of get that true through travel in a way you can't in your ordinary day-to-day life yeah. because when you're amongst your home comforts you know how things work you know you know what I mean like you know how things run you kind of forget or talking about myself I forget yeah Um, but when you're kind of out in the unknown and you you're feeling vulnerable and you don't know what's happening then you have to place your trust in him you kind of have no choice Um, Mm. and that's where the whole idea of spiritual travel that's where it kind of came from for us yeah yeah, I um, guess
0: it's um like in in a sense sacred footsteps is is a bit different for us because it's less about the the you know the yoga retreat and the kind of uh you know spiritual travel now nowadays is kind of associated with that sort of yoga and meditation on yeah. a treat. but i guess it's more about um sacred footsteps it's more about documenting the experiences of building like meaningful connections or mindful connections yes. um with the space it's and completely. also with people uh that you meet that are such great people um specifically in islam um so just like how so you you obviously finally made it to mm. Robert Al-Hajj is is it a te- is it a tent or that he
1: well so when we got there staying? I think things have changed a lot like within the last 15 years or something because people who went back then we were in a 4x4 and we were really lucky like even though that felt difficult yeah. at the time it was nothing compared to what people had to do like 10-15 years ago they had to go up um Uh, They had to go on camel or on donkey or whatever. I'm not even sure what animal. Yeah, Um, Because he literally, he lives in the middle of the desert on a mountain. That's where he lives. And so reaching him obviously isn't easy. But um, so when we got there, there were a few brick buildings. And the rest were tents. And they were made up with, I guess, not twigs, like branches, I suppose. And so he was in there. And I was led to a brick room where other women came in to greet me. But then the whole time, the door was wide open. So I could see, I could see him and I could see the tent and everything. And the thing is, the the biggest regret I have about all of this is that my Arabic was terrible. And I couldn't, they wanted to speak to me and I wanted to speak to them, obviously. Yes, Um, yes. And it was, it was quite difficult. Like my Arabic was so broken and, um, so yeah but I could see him um I didn't I didn't go over to him but I look back now and I do think they were asking me if I want to see him oh right I I thought they were saying have you seen him so I was like no and they were like (laughs) oh okay yeah so I don't know I don't really know like maybe they were maybe they weren't but um anyway but you got to see him and I I got to see him and my husband he obviously went over and sat with him and he said that uh, I think he said when he was He went in, he was lying down, but he got up for him. And um, he was saying, ba'id, ba'id, like from far away. As if you've come from far away. Um, And he like made du'a for us. Wow, Yeah, and so we were there for a few hours. It was literally only a few hours. So compared to other people who obviously studied with him. Yeah. I mean, it's such such a short amount of time. But honestly, the effect, I feel like the effect of that whole experience on me was huge because it really did change my outlook like I know it sounds so cheesy to say all these things but I really do feel like it changed Uh, my outlook completely yeah
0: Um, I don't I don't think it's I think I think in certain I think it's completely genuine that it would change your outlook because you don't just you don't just make a journey for nobody right you 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 make a journey to meet someone of of great significance so it's it's obviously the other thing I would
1: say though is that um, because like I said, we got lost and it was longer than we were expecting the journey to be. Um, but I really, really feel like that had to happen. Mm, I feel like yeah. that really kind of prepared us for where we were going. And then ha- I actually recently read a quote by mister I don't know completely off by heart, but it was along the lines of um, that he'd built his home far away. He'd built a barrier between himself and the people so that by the time people reached him, they were not thinking of dunya and I just thought wow Wow. that's like that's so profound because by the time we reached there like I think we were completely different our thoughts were completely different um to when we had set off yeah
0: so even I I guess it because spiritual travel I guess in that sense it it doesn't just encompass it encompasses difficult travel as well I mean we think of travel as you know the luxury and the five star and the really great shots on instagram which i want to get to in a minute about insta travel um but i guess we we kind of overlook the the difficulty in a journey but the kind of the sweetness that comes after after the difficulty and we know in our tradition after hardship comes ease but um i guess that's that is a perfect example of kind of you know actually having a weighted benefit of making a difficult journey yeah
1: exactly i know exactly what you mean but the other thing i would say i don't think so for us sacred footsteps it yes it's about like spiritual travel but also at the same time that's not to say that um only travel to um quote unquote spiritual places or religious places only those are meaningful yeah because I honestly don't believe that I think wherever you go I think it depends on your outlook and your intention more than anything else yeah exactly I mean I mean I touched on the Lisbon which is a very small experience of mine
0: but I I wrote something on Japan which you know, I, I didn't yeah, think I would find that's one of my find... favorite
1: pieces on the site, actually. Your ah, Japan piece. Thanks. Um, yeah, I just thought I because I,
0: I didn't expect I didn't expect it. Um, I knew I wanted to write something um, for our site and for Sacred Footsteps when I went, um, but I didn't know how it would pan out. But just some of the experiences I had in Japan with the people, their 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 adab, so their, the way they were with respect mm. and just the cleanliness of the place, and all of these things were deemed like spiritual to me and I just thought wow this is such a community of people that have such coherence and and it was just it was just really beautiful and then I did really think that you know well well God is everywhere so obviously travel is kind of all around the globe you're going to get something if that's your intention yeah. you'll get something meaningful from wherever you go whether that's you know to the middle of the desert or like even like a city
1: um, yeah definitely yeah I definitely agree. And then we kind of call that alternative travel as well. Yeah. Um well on our site anyway. So we we like to talk about places that maybe get a lot of tourism, um, but we like to offer a different perspective of those places. Yeah. So for example, Marrakesh gets so much tourism from Muslims and non Muslims. Yeah. But people um we have a we have a really good article on the site by Muhammad Khan called the seven saints of marrakesh yeah because people don't often realize that um there are seven saints buried within the city who Mm -hmm. are considered the patron patron saints of marrakesh and so again it's kind of offering people something different to just visiting bazaars and eating out i guess yeah and then we have another one on dubai as well actually in that in that way it's offering something different to just going to the mall or you know
0: yeah and i feel like the world since instagram the world has gotten a lot smaller so i guess it's quite vital for for us to offer different experiences of like well-known places and we at sacred footsteps we have loads of writers contributing um their experiences of, of all manner of places um and i'll get onto that later about how you can contribute if you'd like to um but just talking about instagram obviously how because it's it's obviously a challenge to try and keep up with with travel and travel posts and stuff because there's so much out there and even in terms of halal travel like it's it's kind of it's a brand but it kind of just talks mm, about it's food really taken off actually yeah the last couple of yeah years. and even um like countries are picking up on this so i know japan has a big investment in kind of like halal food and and that kind of stuff because they know that obviously Muslims more and more Muslims are traveling to to other places apart from Dubai and Marrakesh um so I was just wondering how difficult I mean like Instagram is kind of a love-hate relationship for me but for yourself for me as well yeah like (laughs) I yeah so I think we, we had a discussion about this recently um but how does how do you use it to like promote the goodness in sacred footsteps, like how are we like from your perspective, how are we doing that to Mm. be a bit, a bit, a bit edgier and a bit different to other travel websites out there?
1: Yeah. So I don't want to come across as self-righteous or anything like that, because I'm not saying what we're doing is, has more value than what other people are doing.
0: Um,
1: But I, we just try to do things a little bit differently, I guess. Um, And the thing that's amazing about Instagram is that when people, if you do something that resonates with others, they kind of come and find you and you don't really need yeah. to seek them out. So we've been really, really lucky in that we have a lot of contributors now from basically all over the world. Um, and they contribute some amazing stories. So what we try and do um, is kind of promote more meaningful travel in the sense that we like to talk about the history of a place, different customs, different cultural tra- traditions, whether they're Muslim or not. And, and, one of the probably the biggest things for us on Instagram now is our is our stories which are usually made up of people who will show us around maybe their hometown or um just a place that kind of means a lot to them and we try to give people something different something more authentic in the sense that it's not just the normal touristy hotspots and i think one of probably the most popular story we've done um actually I was going to say the Ramadan one but no we have a new popular one I'll talk about that one in a minute yeah um but so we did a global Ramadan story which was just it was to show different customs and traditions Muslims have all over the world um and that was really really well received I think people really enjoyed um seeing like the incredible diversity we have amongst Muslims yeah so yeah, yeah. that was that was Uh, a popular one but uh, i say we have a new yeah but we've
0: got an even more popular one haven't we uh,
1: we did a story on um i don't even know how to pronounce it you're a fan so Uh, you can
0: (laughs) i am i am a self-confessed Etrul fan and i have no shame in admitting that i binge watched season (laughs) one and two but yeah that's that's our Etrul um is our biggest story yeah we got so
1: many messages from people saying like this is the best thing I've ever seen on Instagram, <laughs> which did surprise me. It's a yeah. good story; like it's very interesting. It was hum- Hamza was the um, the person who contributed that one, and he did a really good job because he yeah. he gave us a really good background into who these people really were. Yeah, um, and he so yeah. basically he visited their tombs, um, including Osman the First, who was the founder of the Ottoman yeah. Empire. Um, but yeah people yeah. really loved it <laughs> that's
0: like people's dream people who love that show that's like a dream for
1: people. it's like the new pilgrimage that. site I, I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah pretty much it. and it, it was really it was really cool because it, it was really close up photos yeah. and really like you, you almost felt like, oh, okay, this is actually like it's not a TV show anymore. Like it's these translated are real into people. reality. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: I think that's what it is. It made these TV characters real for people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so we're going to have an article coming up soon. Yeah, unsurprisingly. Visit.
0: So I, I feel like you've been everywhere, but. I haven't. <laughs> I probably
1: give that impression. <laughs>
0: just just to cl- just to close off our very first episode um what's on your radar like where do you really want to go to next that you haven't okay traveled so the, to yet?
1: the place this was number one on my list ever since i was like 18 and i used to dream oh. of going to peru and i still haven't been yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's on my list next like next year that's my goal is to go to peru i've always wanted to go Amazing. or anywhere in south america yeah
0: yeah, I I can completely resonate with South America wanting to travel there. So thank you, Zoro for your time. Thanks so much for coming on and speaking to us. This is not the last we'll hear from you, obviously. Um, if you guys out there want to drop us a line or just let us know where you're going or just to get in touch, we're on all your usual social media channels. So that's Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at S Footsteps. And if you want to just drop us a line by email, that's info at sacredfootsteps.org. Join us next time when we'll be speaking to a very special guest about the female experience of visiting the Rauda, the sacred burial chamber of the Prophet Muhammad (peace be upon him) in Medina. Until then, drop us a line sometime, and safe and blessed travels.